This episode is brought to you by Volvo Cars. Distractions happen. That's why the fully electric Volvo EX90 comes with a two-camera driver understanding system designed to prevent distractions and help you stay focused. With seven comfortable seats, a powerful electric range of up to 300 miles, and cutting-edge vision tech that can help prevent accidents, experience a new era of safety at Volvo Cars. Pre-order your Volvo EX90 today. Visit volvocars.com slash US to learn more. This episode of Science Versus is brought to you by H&R Block. The gig is up. You could be overpaying for professional tax help. See how independent workers are saving up to 30% with Block Advisors compared to the cost of a typical accountant. Block Advisors by H&R Block can help you manage multiple streams of income and get you every available credit and deduction. 100% accuracy guaranteed. Schedule an appointment today at hrblock.com slash side hustle. Average savings based on national average fees for federal form 1040 plus Schedule C and one state filing in latest available 2020 survey conducted by the National Society of Accountants. Pricing may vary. See blockadvisors.com slash guarantees for full details. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day. And that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and you're listening to Science Versus from Gimlet. This is the second episode that we're doing on monkeypox. And today we're talking to the chief medical advisor to the president of the United States, Dr. Anthony Fauci. About, well, what went wrong here? Because the thing is... At first, it felt like the U.S. was weirdly prepared for this outbreak. They had millions of doses of vaccines made for smallpox, which should work for monkeypox. And we had a drug, T-pox. So why haven't we been able to control this outbreak? And it'll help to have a little context around this conversation. So most people who are getting vaccinated for monkeypox in the U.S. right now are getting a vaccine called Janaeus. But there's actually another one on the shelf called ACAM 2000. And it kind of sounds like a cool Terminator. ACAM 2000. But this is not like a lot of the vaccines that you know and love. For ACAM 2000, they're literally putting a live virus into you, which leaves you with a wound that you might have to nurse for weeks. The virus that they're using is called vaccinia, which is in the same family as smallpox and monkeypox, but it's way less dangerous. Still, though, there are some people who can get really sick from this, particularly if you're immunocompromised, like if you have HIV or you're pregnant. Even if you've got eczema, you're not supposed to get this ACAM shot. And the thing is, even if you don't have any of those conditions, there are some other concerns with ACAM 2000. Like, roughly one in every 200 people get myocarditis, which the FDA says can be very serious. 
And what might be even more serious is that when you get vaccinated, you get that wound, which actually has virus in it. So that means you have to be really, really careful because if someone else touches the wound, they can get sick, which, like we said, could be really dangerous if they're immunocompromised. Another big curveball into all of this is that when it comes to this monkeypox outbreak, it's looking like roughly a third of the people who have monkeypox also have HIV. So you wouldn't want to give them a ACAM 2000 jab. All right, with all of that sorted, we're ready for our interview with Dr. Anthony Fauci. And we started off by asking him about his first thoughts when he saw how this outbreak was unfolding and started to see those numbers ticking up and up and up. What was going through his mind? I said, uh-oh, if this is uh, efficiently spread from person to person, that those are the kind of things that's very reminiscent of what we saw in the early days of HIV. When you have a lot of people, you know, in, at celebratory areas where there's multiple sexual partners, that this thing is going to get bigger than just a few cases. It was sort of a, a gradual, oh my goodness. But from the very first beginning, the the epidemiological circumstances under which it occurred was very troublesome to me. Having been there 41 years ago with HIV. Tell me, how is this situation with monkeypox different to the beginning of COVID? Well, the, the, the differences are really rather substantial. Um, in COVID, there were many unknowns, but we had a very important task of developing diagnostics, therapeutics, and a vaccine. With monkeypox, it was, you know, by some strange quirk of circumstances, we had experience with the virus. We knew a lot about it. And in an attempt to develop countermeasures against smallpox associated with the bioterror scare following 9-11, we invested an extraordinary amount of money to stockpile both vaccines, namely the ACAM 2000, as well as a lesser amount of Genios, which was really supposed to be for people who couldn't tolerate the ACAM 2000, like kids with eczema and people who were immune compromised. So right from the very beginning, we had countermeasures having diagnostics, therapeutics, and vaccines for monkeypox. And then what we were faced with was more of an implementation issue. Yeah, tell me about that, because there is this feeling of like there are all these doses and they're just sitting there. And this frustration that I think people are feeling, it's like this was the one example where like we did it. We we predicted almost. We did what the scientists have been have been telling us to do. We had the vaccines, we had the things ready to go. Why are we now in the situation we're in? Well, I can't explain it. I wasn't involved in the contractual, so you're asking me to explain something that I'm not involved in. Okay, we were involved in testing the vaccine and showing that it worked and in developing the drug, which is now known as T-Pox. We have 100 million doses of ACAM 2000 
ready to go right now here. And that was the original reason. This is not an excuse. This is just a fact. That was the original reason is that if we had a smallpox attack, that the danger to the general population would be that the benefit risk ratio of giving a vaccine that had a significant amount of adverse events, uh, myocarditis, uh, possible spread to people who might be immune compromised, but the people who made it felt that that benefit would be worth the risk. And the Genios, which was then contracted to be made outside of the United States, was for an exception for those who could not oh. tolerate the 100 million doses that were readily available for everyone. Now, what happened by a quirk of fate is that those people who were vulnerable to this, namely the men who have sex with men, many of them fell into the population that it would be risky to give them the 100 million doses that we have at the tips of our fingers ready to go. So we had to rely on what was the backup vaccine, was Genios, which was the opposite of what the plan was. Uh-huh. And so our audience understands. I mean, ACAM 2000, it is a pain in the ass to get. I mean, you have to be very careful when you get it. it it's, it's not the vaccines that we have got become accustomed to, right. I think. Right. It is a vaccine which was against a historically horrible disease that influenced societies throughout the centuries, smallpox. And so the adverse events, the d inconvenience in administering it, you know, you have to scratch it into the skin. Those were felt worth the protection against a deadly disease. So now you have a disease, although there are a lot of painful consequences associated with monkeypox, it is not a deadly disease in general, comparatively speaking. So whenever you have a disease like that, you've got to balance the benefit and the risk of what the intervention is. So rather than saying, hey, we have 100 million doses of ACAMP 2000, just give it to everybody. All of a sudden, those who were responsible for the distribution found that they had to really play catch up in getting those doses. There have been over 130,000, which pretty quickly was put out another 400,000. And then by the end of next week, we hope we'll have a total of 1.1 million doses. With regard to the T-pox, that was another logistic issue because given the approval of it, that in order to get it, the amount of paperwork was very prohibitive and became very difficult for physicians in the community to get it in an expeditious manner to their patients. The CDC has now, and the FDA, cut down dramatically on the bureaucratic and logistic constraints in getting the drug to the people who need it. And with regard to the diagnostics, again, the CDC had their own 
That was about 6,000 per week. But now we have at least five commercial companies that are making it. So there'll be 80,000 tests available per week. Okay, so things things are improving in terms of how we're tackling this. But you have said, you know, we could have done better. Everyone could have done better. What do you wish we could have done differently to tackle monkeypox? I think a more rapid mobilization of the countermeasures that we have right from the very, very beginning, from the very first day. Do you think, because I think some people in um, the gay community are feeling left behind again in a way that they felt during the beginning of the HIV um, epidemic. What do you think about that? Do you think there was some delays because of the community that was affected here? Absolutely not. Tell me about that. No, it's just no. (laughs) It isn't. It had nothing. It's just zero. It had nothing to do with the fact that it's a gay community. Obviously, that's something that people would think. But I I don't believe that's the case, at least not from the standpoint of the people making the decisions about getting things out. I just think there was a lot of bureaucratic obstacles in the way. And I don't believe at all that it was bureaucratic obstacle that says, well, they're mostly gay men. Let's slow it down. I mean, that just I'm sorry that didn't happen. And so you've said that when we we are thinking about lessons learned from the HIV epidemic, you've said we have to recognize who the enemy is. It's the virus, not the people infected by it. Tell me more about why that's important. Well, I spent most of my professional career in HIV AIDS, and I understand very well the issue of stigma and the issue of turning a disease that afflicts a group through no fault of their own, the way it happened with HIV, the way it happened with monkeypox, and uh, how stigma easily enters into it. And I have said that years and years ago, that when people start being judgmental and pointing fingers at behavior, you have to remind them that the virus is the bad guy here you know, not the individuals who have been afflicted with the virus. And what happens if we can't get monkeypox under control? Um, A researcher that we spoke to said that, you know, in a worst case scenario, monkeypox could enter the uh, like wild animal population in the US and then become endemic in a similar way that it does in certain countries in Africa. Do you think that could happen here? You know, uh, when anything is possible, you know, I hesitate to answer questions because As you know with me, I will say one sentence, it will get completely taken out of context, and it'll be the headline somewhere. But what do you you think could- Anything is possible, but it is unlikely if we continue to put our foot on the pedal, get, get as many people vaccinated as possible, get control of it. I believe we can do that. But, you know, in order for anybody to say, oh, no, that's impossible, it won't happen, that's nonsense. We don't know. There's a lot of unknowns here. So you can't say with certainty what absolutely will happen or what absolutely won't happen right now because it's a moving target. I guess more from the perspective of I think there are some people who are not in the gay community who are like, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to think about it. I can ignore this. What do you want to say to them? Well, whenever you have an infectious disease of which you don't have all of the understanding of the capability of that infectious disease, then I would tell people who say, oh, I don't have to worry about that. I would say, well, 
Maybe you wouldn't want to lose any sleep over it tonight, but keep an eye out on it because it's a moving target. And don't be so confident that everything is going to be okay. And that's the reason why I and my colleagues take these things very, very seriously. You don't want to panic anyone because that's not productive. On the other hand, you don't want to give a false complacency. I know you hated the worst case scenario question. I think you're going to love this one. Where do you think this is likely to go in the next few weeks, next few months, say? I would hope that we get all of these countermeasures distributed in an equitable manner, not just to the people who understand how to get it, because there are a lot of people that are vulnerable throughout the country. And I would hope that this gets distributed in an equitable manner. And by distributed, I mean availability of tests, I mean, T-pox when you need it, and obviously enough vaccines, not only to do post-exposure prophylaxis, but also pre-exposure prophylaxis for people who I might be at risk. My last last question then, you were preparing to leave your position soonish. Did monkeypox just blow up your plans? Um, it depends on what you mean by soonish. There has been a lot of misperception about what my plans were. Yeah, that's why I said soonish. <laughs> yeah, th- that's for sure. Uh, I will make an announcement when I'm ready to make an announcement. You don't want to make it on Science Versus? No, sorry about that. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. Bye. Bye. That was Dr. Anthony Fauci. And if you haven't listened to our first episode on monkeypox, go do that. We look at the fact that this virus is mutating and find out What does it mean? How worried do you need to be? We also look at what it's like to have monkeypox. And we give you a very important lesson in why you might not want to have a giant rat for a pet. Go check it out. The episode's called Monkeypox, What's Going On? I'm Wendy Zuckerman. Back to you next time.